Alright, it's the Chance of Gaming Podcast, episode 51. 51. And, uh, 51. Area 51. Area 51. Uh, lockdown. Whatever, lockdown edition. Whatever happened with that? Did those kids ever Natura run into Area Area 51? <laughs> I forgot about that. That was a whole thing. Oh, yeah. I guess it must yeah. be the, the government mind control made us forget about it. And forget what the, I'll bet it was like three people that showed up. And forget what they found. I do love like all the reporters that actually had to go out there and do live shots and stuff for it. They're like, we're going where? The middle of the Nevada <laughs> desert? To watch a bunch of dumb kids maybe get arrested? Watch a bunch, yeah, a bunch of kids that can't run 10 feet. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, that's... You know, the, the military has that... Uh, was it the, the Millie Wave... Um, Oh, yeah. It's for crowd control. The thing was, like, you're being dipped in liquid lava. Yeah. So it's like a a focused ray that that basically starts boiling you from, from, you know, two or 300 yards away. Yeah, they've got other stuff, too. They've got one that produces a sound wave that you can't hear, but it just gives you intense headaches. (laughs) Wow. Okay. All sorts of cool toys for breaking up crowds. (laughs) Hmm. So that's Richard and Roy, by the way, uh, if you guys didn't know. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm Roy. And Roy has this fantastic idea for a card game that I have to hear about. Well, so this is this is like utterly tasteless. So I was listening to the news and they were talking about the uh, in Wuhan, the wet markets and about how, you know, came out of an animal. So, like, just put yourself in the shoes of the one guy who's sitting on the couch one day. And his wife says, hey, what are we going to have for supper? He says, well, I'll go to the market. I'll find something. Do you, what do you feel it like? Do you feel like like bat, possum, pangolin? What, you know, what's, what's tickles your fancy? So the guy goes to the Wuhan market and he's, you know, he's like, okay, I'll take that one and that one and that one. And the, and the guy says, well, like, I have this other one here. It's a little sick, but, you know, I'll throw it in for you for free. And so the guy buys it and takes it home. And that's how we get the COVID-19. You know what they say, one bad rat, one bad bat ruins the whole bunch. (laughs) So I had, this is a truly awful game, uh, Wet Market the Card Game. So like a press your luck game? (laughs) Well, so what I had in mind was uh, you could have a bunch of, uh, like four different suits. So like you have bats, pangolins, possums, and monkeys. (laughs) Okay, so it's it's numbered and suited cards. And so you take... Uh, you know, you have the number of players that you have. You have one card that's the infected card, and it's marked as such. And you deal that along with some dummy cards out to all the other player to all the players. So the person that has that card knows that this is the card that's going to get everybody sick. And if I can slip this into somebody's hand, then I win. Like old maid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, but nobody else knows knows what that card is, and nobody knows who has it. Um. And so you play it like pit. So you have, um, so you'd have the the one infected card. Then you'd have the other ones, which would be, I guess, wild cards, which would be the dummy cards. And then you deal out nine more cards, and you play it like pit. And um, you know whoever has can go out with it wins, unless they have that one card. And then everybody's dead. Okay, that could work. <laughs> so it's it. It's a totally, like, awful concept for a game. So I'm just going to throw that up to somebody for free, you know, and they can they can burn in hell when they design it. I don't know. I'd, it, yeah, we, I'd back that on Kickstarter, so, you know. <laughs> we'll so, right. uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely do that. So what have you been playing lately, Roy? 
So I've been playing a lot of games on Board Game Arena, and one one game in particular um, with my wife, which I'll talk about at the end. Um, so I see. I talked. I played a game called uh, La Grania. I love that is... ZZ Top song. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not it. There's no beards involved. Uh, it's a. Uh, I believe it's set in Spain, and the the artwork is kind of bland for it. But it's a. Uh, it's a farming sort of game, kind of like, um, you know, Agricola is pretty easy to to compare anything to. But you're uh, completing contracts. You're kind of building your farm a little bit bigger, and it's uh, it's all right. It's an all right game. So you're gonna you're gonna take in your um, you're gonna fill up your market barrel with goods like um, olives or olive oil or wine or grapes or pigs. Um, and you send it off to the market and sell it. So you're basically you're going to, um, it's a kind of a buying and selling sort of game, um, and that's uh, La Grania. Who makes so, it? Yeah, Who makes that kind of, one? Do you know? Off, I'm, I'm not sure. Just curious. You're yeah, you're throwing me hard questions, man. <laughs> Did you like uh, it? Yes, it was great. <laughs> so that was a. It was not a Spiliara, but it got some awards and things. Yeah, so it's, you know, so many games you can compare to Agricola, I guess. So I would kind of put this kind of in that vein. And actually, a lot of these are like that that, I'm, that I've played. Uh, and then I played a game called Through the Ages, which is a card game that's played over the course of uh, uh, three ages. And you're building wonders, as I recall. Um, and these, Lagrania and Through the Ages... And these other games I'm going to talk about are all, avail- all available on Board Game Arena. Uh, oh, but it's it. I like yeah. Through the Ages. That's a, that's a fun game. I actually wouldn't. If that's on Board Game Arena, I might try to look that one up sometime. Oh, yeah. And it's I'm not sure. It might be a premium one. I'm not for sure. Um, but it's, you know, you're basically you're building up your civilization and you're, uh, uh, you know, spending your science points. You're spending your military points on... Uh, Kind of building up your your civilization that you have. Yeah, and then you get to raid the other players, which is always fun. So we played the uh, the friendly variant because oh, we, were, we were all learning it. Friendly civilization game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I played, and I kind of stumbled my way through a game called Troyes, which is uh, based. There's a French city that uh, was like a stronghold city, and they built a cathedral over the course of 300 years. And uh, so it's a dice drafting game where you have to spend your dice um, to do things like take out the the barbarians who are who are trying to come over the walls. You spend dice to um, uh, build up, you know, your prestige in the church. You spend dice to build up your prestige in the uh, city council. Um, and I really, admittedly, don't know a whole lot about. Troy is. I just kind of stumbled my way through it. And that's also available on Board Game Geek. Uh, and then I played a game called Clans of Caledonia, which is a, it's a Scottish game, or it's, it's based in Scotland. So there's several clans that uh, it's, this feels a little bit like Catan. It has kind of a Catan style setup where you place two, um, settlements you know and then it has that bouncing um the bouncing setup like what happens in Catan. 
and so the the map you're placing uh, distilleries, you're placing cheese dairies, you're placing cattle fields, you're placing wheat fields, and basically there's a lot of buying and selling that happens with the market, and each clan kind of has its own specialty. So I played this a couple of times, and the first uh, game I played, I was the um, I specialized in whiskey, so like. The, this particular clan made good whiskey, so if you could um, keep, you could keep aging the whiskey, and eventually, you know, you get a, a quite a hefty payout for it. Um, but it's kind of a four X in a way, although you're not really competing, uh, you're not conflicting with other players other than just for space. Um, but there's, a, it's a very watery map, so there's there's um, mountains and forests and fields and then locks. Um, and so you can sail across the locks, but you have to spend uh, some money to kind of bump up your shipping level so that you can get all the way across the lock. And then you can expand across there. So it's uh, it's buying and selling. It's kind of a commodities game. And uh, I've enjoyed that one. Uh, although the second clan I played, I was the fisherman, where you could play on the locks, and that just did not work out for me. So do you pick – do you – pick your clan and then that clan already has a sort of specialty like fishing or whiskey or whatever, or yes. do you see, so you don't. Okay. So it's yeah, not, you, you, it's not like you decide it after the fact you, you, you pick a clan and then you know what they're going to specialize in. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you, you spend the tokens off of your board. And so like, for instance, every uh, wheat field, well, you can uh, collect two wheat every round. And so you're going to you're you're given a contract that says, okay, if I export four barrels of whiskey, I'll get, you know, three units of cotton and a hops. And those those things that you import are strictly victory points. Um, But so like the the wheat field will produce two wheat, then you can either make that into bread or make it into whiskey. Um, I recommend whiskey. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Uh, so it's you're basically you start out from your home bases and you grow your 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 clan empire I guess and so like I say there's no you know there's no like battling that happens it's all kind of uh, economic and um, uh, gobbling up the spaces that are uh, maybe a little bit cheaper to build on um, so that's uh, clans of Caledonia and then and <laughs> my goodness the cardboard. <laughs> a feast, a feast for Odin. Are you guys familiar with this one? So I have never played it. I've always wanted to, just because. I mean, this is like the king of all worker plus games. Yes. So it's I mean, a, it's, it's huge. The, uh-huh. the box is like it's not as big as Gloomhaven, but it might be just as heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Uwe Rosenberg, this our our friend that that does Agricola, does Caverna. Uh, has uh, a feast for Odin, which is a Viking worker placement game. So you start out with your little homestead, and you're growing that. And then at some point, if you build a ship, then you can go and explore another island and get stuff from that particular island. So you're building buildings, you're building ships, you're um, uh, you know raising cattle. And doing all these different things, and your uh, your board has a bunch of minus one points on it. So as you expand, you want to cover up those minus one points to get, uh, you know, to to bolster your score. 
And so the um, on on your board, there's placement rules for some of the tiles. So like a a good for like a mead. A mead is a one by two tile that can go onto your board and cover up some spaces. Um, well, mead is a food, and every round you have to feast. At the end of the uh, end of the round, you're you're going to feast. And mead is one of the things you can spend to feast. You can also spend basically food stuff. Um, but you can. And then, so like, for example, um, one of the actions you can do is go whaling. And so uh, I one of the things you get from whaling is you get a barrel, which is a one by two. Adam, you he's get, not talking about going to the bars looking for big girls. <laughs> <laughs> you get uh, some uh, whale bone and then you get some blubber and the blubber can be eaten. Uh, the the bones in the barrel are things that you can place onto your board to kind of claim more territory on your board. Uh, and it is, my goodness, there's so many rules. We've, I played it with my wife um, twice, and we got half, well, we got about maybe 80% of the way through uh, the first game and realized that we were messing up some rules. So we'd like, do you want to re- just reset this? Oh, yeah, let's, let's, let's <laughs> redo it. And I think there's still stuff that we missed. Um, it so is a did you very play this one on, on the table. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It is a very hefty game as far as, uh, like sheer poundage and yeah. complexity. I've always wanted to try it, but it's, it's one of those games where it's, it's almost too much to just try, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we kind of took our time with it and, um, and, and made our way through it. And so then, uh, finally, I've been playing some Dungeons and Dragons uh, over Zoom, which uh, has, has been interesting. And uh, my friend that I play with, he says I've played more D and D in these last six weeks than I have, you know, in ages. He says I'm in three different D and D games with That's various awesome. people online. Yeah, I've been waiting for my uh, my daughter to finish up her semester in college. She's done actually in two days. She's done on Wednesday, and mm-hmm. then after that, we're gonna we're gonna get some RPGs going. And I don't know if it's gonna be. Strictly just in the house with the family, or I'm gonna. I've got some friends. I'm gonna try to contact and see if they have some availability to do online or whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's been way too long since I've done some RPG stuff. And oh, incidentally. Some... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I was, well, I was just gonna just... say there's some good stuff coming out. Where later we're gonna talk about some Kickstarters that I'm super interested in. Oh, all right. Uh, and I wanted to add on that I got some um, uh, some modules from Adam for the. Um, it's well, it's My Little Pony, essentially. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Remember I said I was going to mail you those like six months ago? Well, I finally got around to doing it. Oh, all right. Well, thank you. That's the, uh, thank you very much. the Pony Finder uh, yep. yeah, thing. So, yeah. so it's based off of Pathfinder, which we have the actual My Little Pony system. So I don't know. We made it do, do some conversions to uh, to incorporate that into our into our game, which we haven't played in quite a while. Yeah, I thought they'd work pretty good, you know, just for that, you know, to kind of give you the an, an overall idea or whatever, you know, to, to do a scenario. And yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What you been playing? Um, well, you know, I haven't made it out yet. You know, I kind of wanted to pick your guy's brain, and I am curious, when do you think you guys would feel comfortable going out to your FLGS again? Um, hmm. 
I would say, so our, our normal gaming day is the third Saturday of every month, depending on, so in, in the St. Louis area, we're getting ready to start to some partial openings starting actually next week. So depending on that goes, I would say there's a chance that we could do it in June, but I wouldn't really expect it until July. Mm. We're going to reopen on the 28th, uh, like restaurants and things. And yeah. I, you know, I will probably go in, but I don't know that I'm, and I don't go there very much anyway. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to let it, let it simmer a little bit. Yeah. I would expect that before we go to a public place, like playing at miniature market, we might start see people start going to each other's homes again. I think that might happen first. Mm -hmm. So the we're going to open on the 28th, like I say, which is a Thursday. And our, our game night is a Friday night. But I don't know if we're going to – I just don't know. <laughs> well, here in Mississippi, we uh, – let's see. My FLGS – I mean, they've been open, quote-unquote, but they were just doing deliveries. Like they'll, you know, drop it off at your house or uh, and then they started curbside. Like, you know, you call them, pay for it over the phone, pull up and they give it to you. So they actually opened up about a week ago. And um, I've gone in twice to pick up stuff. Well, I did once before they before they were open because it, and I'll get to this in just a second uh, because they were had a huge Flames of War sale and um, and then my kid turned 19 uh, this past weekend and so I grabbed her some like a dry erase uh, mat and a, a wooden dice box that a local guy had made so I, I was like that would work out really good for a uh, birthday present so mm -hmm. so I mean I've gone in and but I'm in a mask or, and or gloves when I go in and I'm, I'm in and I'm out. A lot of other guys have just, you know, you know, they, you know, they don't believe in the virus or, you know, it was overblown, whatever. And they've just kind of just, it's back to business as normal. Now I will say my FLGS, um, pulled tables. They, they eliminated about half the tables and spread out the rest of them. So you're, because that's what the governor's order was supposed to say. Your your uh, customers should be able to maintain social distance from themselves, blah, blah, blah. And they got uh, hand sanitizer and stuff, and they're going through, and they're sanitizing everything. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's The things I'm about to talk to, that like with Flames of War dying and some other stuff popping up, people are getting really, really interested and gaming and going back and gaming and I just I don't know I was talking to my wife earlier about that uh, I just don't know I, I I'm definitely not ready to go out now even though what's going on I really want to do I, I just don't feel comfortable yet I kind of want to wait and see with everything you know the, I mean literally Mississippi the doors are flung open except for tattoo places which is weird. <laughs> It's like t tattoo places and casinos are like the only things still closed, you know, uh, which is weird. Look, people all across the country got really mad about, you know, the uh, barbershops being closed. But I would think if you could give somebody a haircut, you could give somebody a tattoo. 
I mean, that's just I don't I don't think COVID nineteen is transmitted via blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Seems like tattoo artists wear gloves anyway, whereas hairdressers usually don't. That's, so. That is a very good point. They do. So I don't know. So that's where we're at. So I'll see maybe in a month. But I'm very excited to finally get out because. Um, well, I guess the first thing, uh, you know, we talked about that uh, 7TV pulp rules, I think, um, a couple of episodes ago from Crooked Dice. Yeah. Well, I found a U.S. distributor, and I ordered the, the pulp box, and it, it came in. And I have not dove into it yet, and I plan on it. Because, I mean, man, I've been doing that a lot, a, a lot, lot, in, in the middle of all this um, uh Lockdown. If you follow me on like Twitter or follow the show on Facebook, you know, I've been, ba- I've based all my um, historical games, you know, all, you know, I've been doing organization. I've labeled everything. I can find everything. I've took inventory of what I have and what I need to make it, you know, a better army. Anyway, but um, I was. When are you going to start painting? Oh, uh, no, never. I have been, in fact, <laughs> I've contracted like a couple of, I found a couple of other people that paint and uh, sent off some stuff to them to to make for me. I hate my local guys have just gotten too busy, you know, uh, with uh, their regular job job, you know, to do this. But anyway, I got the the box game for uh, the 7TV Pulp, and I, I, for whatever reason, I thought it would have miniatures in it. I mean, it shows some on the box. I don't know, but it doesn't. So I was kind of thinking, well, this is a little high for, you know, for just paper product in it, but I'm going to kind of dive into it uh, deeper, maybe post something on YouTube, or at least in a future show. Anyway. Locally, uh, Flames of War, the stuff that had been sitting on the shelf at my local store, this is the World War II miniature game, the 15mm miniature game from Battlefront, has just been sitting on the shelf since its first aborted run at my at my game store. Whenever the new edition came out, the game store dove in, got a bunch of stuff, and then Battlefront was really slow on releases for a lot of different armies, causing a lot of local players to get mad and stop playing. Well, this stuff has just been sitting on the shelf since. So in the middle of the lockdown, my uh, local store dropped it all at like 35% off, and um, which is way cheaper than you can get it for it on the web because they limit their discount to 10%. I think is what it's limited to, 10 or 15. Um, so they're getting rid of it. They're like, we're tired, ty- you know, we can't ever, the company won't ever, like, mail us the right stuff and this, that, and the other. So we're getting rid of it, which caused a bunch of people to buy into it. And now they all want to play it. <laughs> so that makes no sense to me. Just, like, all it took was just a, just a little bit of a price drop. You went from 10% to 35%, and, like, three or four more people have bought in. And I've got, I've had stuff for it, and further north of me uh, in the towns, uh, Team Yankee, the '80s based version of uh, Flames of War, is has taken off. And so guys around here are like, "Well, I'm kind of, you know, I want to play that Team Yankee. Don't you have some stuff for that?" I'm like, "Yes. Look who you're asking. I have everything. I just never play it." So that took mm-hmm. off. And in the mm-hmm. middle of all this, some dude comes up there and is like, hey guys, let's play, I'd like to play bolt action. 
And like 12 people were like, me too. And they all bought into it. And so now my local store has a Warlord Games account and has a ton of bolt action on the way. Which is awesome because it's a really fun game and I own a lot of it. So, yay. And uh, they, he, <laughs> he messaged me, uh, the Travis, the guy that runs the store, was like, hey, do you need anything? I'm like, eh, I'm going to have to inventory, but probably not. I'm like, I have a full... I have an early war French army. I have an early war German army. I have some Fallschirmjägers. I have an Africa Corps still in the box. So, no, not right now. However, that new game, Victory at Sea, is coming out. And I want it. And so, it, when you order this stuff, order that for me, please. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's the one you, you thought looked cool, right, Rich? I think. Yeah. The price looks pretty steep, though. Yeah. It, I mean, I look, I was going to get it from NWS, but I felt a little guilty because I'm not buying anything from my local store. So I was like, eh, yeah. just, I'm like, just get me just the starter, uh, which I guess, what would that be? Battle for the Pacific? Yeah, it's 80 bucks. I think what they're going to do is 30% off, 20 or 30% off. So, I mean, that'll help a little bit and I won't. I won't feel guilty. But, yeah, I mean, I love the fact that, like, the U.S. Navy fleet's $128. I'm like, what? And it only comes with eight vessels and four aircraft? Yeah, some of those are over 200 I saw. Uh, yeah, they do come with a, uh, let's see, a bunch of stuff. We'll have this linked in the show notes for you. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the uh, U.S. Navy pre-order bundle. Now, this, you get looks like uh, oh i see some of these these big ones include the starter game though yeah you get this okay you get the, that, that makes yeah. a little more oh. sense you get then. the starter game and you get the u.s fleet and apparently the uss idaho plus two <laughs> <coughs> yes it's made of potatoes um plus two extra <laughs> things yeah it's the starter of the navy fleet the idaho uh the arizona and the alt mark i don't know what that is in 1 to 1800 scale. It is in resin and warlord resin. What is warlord resin? Is that like the leader of the resin? Did he like kill all the other resin leaders to make it? What? How can he establish himself as warlord? I don't know. It can only be one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so the last thing, if you listen to the last podcast, which I th- seriously was contemplating like, dropping it in because it's it's not really an interview it was more of a discussion but it was like two hours long so that would have made like this episode conceivably four or five hours long (laughs) so i was like "Eh, plus we you know we had an off week so i was like i'll just push go ahead and push this out anyway um it was all about the dead game confrontation and you know we've talked about it on the show if you guys remember we talked about the kickstarter and uh, boy, am I so very, very glad I did not back that Kickstarter. Um, we, we talked about that in the discussion. And so uh, the guys I, I interviewed, quote unquote, or talked to, whatever you said, were kind enough to actually send me a couple of armies for the dead game confrontation. And sent me like a whole bunch of uh, PDFs and stuff like that. Since it's dead, you know, apparently no one cares. You can't like... No, uh, the IP's up in the air, so all the old stuff is available for free via PDF. And if you 
if you're actually interested in the game at all, if you look in the show notes for that episode, you'll see like all the uh, material is listed there that they sent me. And in fact, the way you can contact them if you live in Maryland or over there and want a game with them. And yeah, so anyway, so that's what I have been uh, doing and, and working on. Rich, uh, I've seen you play some stuff on uh, Twitter that looked really interesting. What have you been up to? Yeah, I've been playing a lot of uh, the, the couple games actually in the same series, which is the Great Campaigns of the American Civil War. It's a series by MMP. It's it's an old series. It goes back to like the, I don't know, Avalon Hill or something. It's, it's an old series, but now it's MMP. Um, played a couple. Atlanta is ours, which I think I've talked about it on this show. That's that's I think the newest game in the series. I've been playing that on Vassal with a friend. We're playing the uh, not the full campaign, but we are playing with the advanced rules. And then last weekend, I was supposed to have a local con in town, and that got canceled. But a few of us got together. I had the time off work anyway, so we got together and basically just played three days of of another game in that series called On to Richmond. So. Um, both games in the same series. It's a great series. It's uh, it's uh, obviously American Civil War, um, operational scale. You've got to you know make sure your guys stay in supply and everything. But sort of the 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 big thing about that series is that your guys get fatigued every time th- every time you do anything with them. Uh, so you can't do too much with them because then they get exhausted and they get disorganized and they're not as effective. So. Um, it's, it's hard to move, especially during the weather and you can have command paralysis and especially in on to Richmond, you know, you're playing with McClellan who, you know, famously Lincoln said he had a case of the slows. Um, <laughs> and you can, you can get paralyzed in that game playing the union. And, and there's times that the Confederacy just gets to do whatever, whatever they want. And the union just sits there and watches them do it for a while. So it's frustrating, but it's 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 the good kind of frustrating. It's fun. Um, it's it's a great great series, and been I've gotten to play that quite a bit lately on Vassal. It is funny though because the Onto Richmond game is oh probably at least twenty years old, and it's it's got an older Vassal mod. So I don't even know the Vassal was around twenty years ago, but Atlanta is ours. Has this brand new Vassal module with all the bells and whistles and everything, and um, I was playing, I played the older module all last week. And then last Thursday I was playing Atlanta's ours with my friend and we got to you know, the, the cleanup phase where you have to take all the fatigue markers off and there's a whole bunch of things you have to do. And it takes a few minutes and I was used to it taking five or 10 minutes for both sides to do the whole thing. And I said, okay, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? And he goes, well, I'm just going to hit the button. I was like, oh, yeah, this one is the newer <laughs> module. And you hit the button, it does all that for you. How great is that? So, I mean, I can't say how much I have appreciated Vassal the last two months. It's really been a, a godsend. So, you know, um, but I did. I, yeah, go I was going to say, OK, Rich, don't forget you and me and uh, was it OCS. Yeah, was that, was that the one we, we had talked about? You show me how to uh, to do do OCS. Yeah, we can learn to play that together. I know a little bit of it, but it's it's one I want to get into more. I'm pretty sure that was the one. Yeah, that that's the one I got you the the thing for, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. Sicily. Sicily. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Of course, I, I wanted to increase in price, like all of a sudden, like jump up to like um, you know, yeah, exactly. like six thousand dollars. Current current 
current BGG prices. Yeah, it just shoots <laughs> way up. Uh, which, which reminds me, uh, you posted something on Twitter. What is that or ridiculously expensive uh, board game that's it's out of print, it's war, it's it's um. Are you talking about the 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 new one that they just announced? You talking about like Case Blue? Oh I'm, yeah, I'm talking Case Blue, and oh yeah, if, if yeah. We have, if that Case Blue is an OCS game, and usually when it comes first, it's out of print. It's it's huge. It's it's basically the the entire East Front in OCS, um, and. When when somebody puts it up for sale, it usually goes for about a thousand dollars. Wow! And who made that? Uh, MMP, I think, or the, maybe the gamers who you know preceded MMP. But it's an OCS game, so yeah, it's really weird. You would think you would look at people paying that and like, well, why don't I just you know reprint it? Do I mean shit? Do a Kickstarter for it? You know? Yeah, I mean. MMP's weird though. I, I I wonder about them sometimes because <laughs> they've got. I mean, between ASL and OCS, they've got two of the biggest names. I mean, two of the bigger, biggest franchises out there. And I'm not a marketing guy. I'm not a business guy. But it seems like often that it seems like they're leaving money on the table with a lot of that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, maybe there's something something going on we don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. And, they make great games though. Like I said, uh, GCACW is MMP. So, and they they are slowly releasing new titles for that one and re-releasing old ones as well. Um, they just there's when when this one on to Richmond comes back out, which I think I don't think it's been officially announced, but I think it's it's sort of on their their list of things to release. I definitely want to pick that one up because it's it's a good one and it would be even better with the newer map and everything. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you mentioned the new game that's like super expensive uh if it's still yeah if, um, yeah i'm pretty sure it's on our list we'll get to that yeah yeah um i did get to play a couple games actually on the table here in the house with the family um you know yesterday was mother's day and my w- wife wanted to play paperback so we played that one have you guys played that before yeah i have a copy of that yeah it's a good game it's fun and the whole family can play everyone enjoys it so um my 19 year old daughter completely destroyed us at it i think she got more points than the other three of us put together but it's a little deck builder game where you uh you know you you start off with i think five letters rstnl probably and then some wild cards and you just build words um and then you get you know get points and bonus points for getting long words and bonus points for um using words with more uncommon letters and you buy more letters and make better words and um, it's, it's a really good game. It's, it's simple to learn. Um, it's a deck builder, so it's, it's not, um, you know, it's, it's not complicated, but it's fun. So we, we always enjoy it. Every time we play it, we have a good time. Hmm. Uh, that's paperback and paperback. I don't think you're ever going to see in a store. I think, uh, what's the name of the company that makes that? I think they only sell it online. Uh, who, who is that? Fowler games, I think. Yeah. I think you have to buy it from them. But it's not expensive. It's like thirty bucks or something. So I'm trying to remember how we came by ours. We might have yeah. seen it in a consignment. Uh, oh, maybe, maybe. yeah. Because I'm pretty sure Fowler's Games only sells their games online. Okay. And then I played a game with my little one, my ten year old. I played We the People, which is an old Mark Herman game. Um, he actually redesigned it into Washington's War. So if you've played Washington's War, you kind of know We the People already. But um, it's it's not a complicated game, but my ten year old is obsessed with Hamilton, 
So it's like, hey, let's play a Revolutionary War game. She's like, sure, I'll play that. And obviously Alexander Hamilton's not in it, but some of the other guys she knows, like uh, Lafayette is in it, and uh, I don't know, someone else. But we played that. Um, it's it's not a difficult game. It's an interesting game. It's I think it's sort of... I've never played the game Go, but I know what it is. And this game is kind of based on go i think in a way it's an area control game and if you can get your opponent completely surrounded then you can you know pick up his pieces and stuff like that there are generals and armies on the board that you can use to fight and take control of things but there's actually not that much fighting in it mostly it's it's placing political control markers and trying to get your opponent cut off um it does have an interesting battle system which i i, I definitely don't love it um but it's interesting. And I think he completely redid it when he did Washington's War. But basically, there's a deck of cards. And the cards are things like frontal attack, right flank attack, left flank attack, bombardment, stuff like that. And when you start a battle, each player gets a number of cards. You're going to get, depending on the size of your army and your general and a bunch of other things, somewhere between five and ten cards. And each player will get a different number also, which is makes a big difference. Um, because the attacker will play a card. And the defender has to play the exact same card. If they can't, they immediately lose the battle. Um, and then if they successfully block the attack, then they have a chance to become the attacker. And then they get to do the same thing. So if the defender ever cannot block a card or if the attacker runs out of cards, that's when the battle ends. So it's interesting. Um I think even in his notes, if you read like where Washington's War and when he redid the game, he's like, yeah, it didn't work out quite the way I wanted. The the balance of cards and the number of cards in the deck wasn't really right, but it's something I'd never seen before. So I thought it was cool. Um, and I, it's it's a game I can play with my 10 year old. We played it. We we played it. We were we were learning it. So we kind of took our time. We, it, took maybe an hour and a half, two hours, and we were not done with it, but we had to stop for dinner. And then the next day, she's like, hey, let's go finish up that game. So mm. that's always a good sign when she wants to come back to it. So mm -hmm. so I get that, got to play that one on the table as well. Um, I've been playtesting a game uh, with a friend uh, called, well, I've talked about the game Red Storm before, um, which is a, a relatively new game. It came out last year. It's a it's a remake of a couple, well, not a remake, a sequel, if you want to call it, to a couple other games, Downtown, Elusive Victory, and I always forget the name of the World War One game. I think you have it, don't you, Adam? Oh, uh, Bloody April. Bloody April, yes. Um, but Red Storm is 1985, Air War over Germany, NATO versus Warsaw Pact. Great, great game. Um, but the designer who we talked to last year, Doug Bush, he's coming out with an expansion for it called Baltic Approaches, which basically adds in uh, you know, Norway and Sweden and, and the, the whole Baltic Sea and everything adds in naval units as well. So uh, we're playtesting that right now. It has made the cut on P500. I have no idea when it's ready to come out. It's We're playtesting it. But uh, we're doing that on Vassal. So that's another great reason to have Vassal. Mm -hmm. And then our Tuesday Gloomhaven group, we've been playing that on Tabletop Simulator lately. So we've kept up. We've still played every Tuesday just like we normally do. Uh, I think we took one week off because had something come up. Um, but for the most part, we just get on Tabletop Simulator and we play. There's a lot of good website tools out there for Gloomhaven, like hand management and character management and all stuff like that. I mean, honestly, if you could 
you could play Gloomhaven and have everything completely stored online and never touch a card or anything. So um, it's kind of nice because obviously we play with his stuff when I go over to his house. But since we can't do that, um, the all three of us have a copy of it. So we're kind of using our own stuff. But then that also means that you have to use the stuff that you're using in your game. Um, and, you know, it, you don't want to mess up the cards because... You know, it, it kind of messes with your campaign if you're not careful. So, um, but yeah, there's some good tools out there. And Tabletop Simulator, it's not, it's not perfect, but it's certainly better than not playing. I, yeah, I really hope it will finally make it to Steam. Well, I'm sorry, make it to discount Steam. But anyway. Yeah. And once they completely <laughs> finish it, and they've got the campaign mode and everything in there. Because right now it's just, I mean, it's there, but it's it's just kind of playing around and it's not. It's not the same. I mean, I've said before about Gloomhaven, the game itself, I would say, is 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 good to very good. Um, it's not, probably not even my top 10 games as far as the actual game itself. But for me, it's the experience of playing it with friends. And that's what makes it one of the best things. Um, you know, my Gloomhaven group that I have with my friends, the one that I'm playing with my daughter, and now both my daughters, because since the one got home from college, she's joined us. It is a great, great co-op game to play with friends. Um, the game itself is is good, no problems at all with it. I instantly kickstarted Frosthaven when it came out, um, but I think it's it's the experience of playing it with other people that makes it so much better. Which means if you're just playing it solo on Steam or whatever, it's not as good. And which which brings me to our sponsorship. We have one, Mike over at AlterDementia.com. You have the link. You have to see it in the show notes since it's Alter 3D Imencia whatever. Anyway, it's a whole thing. The guy's doing Hero Forge miniatures, modular terrain, and a bunch of other stuff. So check him out over at alterdimension.com and use the discount code COG2019 for 20% off your order. So have you see have you seen or heard from Mike lately, uh, Roy? No, I have not. No. It's uh Mike and lives in the same town that I do. Um, and I no, I've not uh, been in touch with him. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I presume he's doing all right. Yeah. You know, he could just st- stay at home and 3D print and yeah, this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On to what's on your radar. The first thing we have, and Dadgum, uh, yeah, is, as of this podcast recording, is four days left to go. So by the time you hear this, you might want to move fast to uh, work on this. You'll probably only have a day or two. Is Torchbearer Second Edition is uh, on Kickstarter right now? They wanted a measly forty-five grand, and as of this podcast, they have over a quarter of a million dollars. Are you guys familiar with Torchbearer at all? I am. I've never played it, but I have played Burning Wheel a little bit. Never as much as I wanted to, just because it's a kind of crunchy system and hard to get into, but um, I'm super interested in this. Uh, this one is it's it's on my radar and mm-hmm. deciding whether I want to pull the trigger on it or just wait until it shows up in the store. Well, uh, I will say, if I remember correctly, I think, like Burning Wheel, you can only get them direct? That, that could be, yeah. I know Burning Wheel I got direct from their website. Yeah, I picked up that, and I have Torchbearer as well. Of course, I've never played it. Um, uh, from Gen Con, my one and only time that I went. Um, looking at this Kickstarter... It's 30 bucks for one, two, three digital 
books if you want. That's um, and I, yeah, I was a little confused by like what you need until they actually put in, you know, the graphic of it, and uh, which helped me out uh, a lot. Yeah. Now the original Torchbearer, Torchbearer has has like cards that the players use as well. So I would think, I mean, if you go full digital, if if you have a way to do a good print and play, which I really don't, um, that's one thing. But I think otherwise you might want to spring at least so that you can get the decks of cards. Yeah, um, you know, and I'm sure you can, you know, if in the, uh, uh, the what you call it, the, uh, what do you call that at the end of the Kickstarter that you get? The, like the bonus pledges or add-ons or whatever? Well, it's like after it's over, it's like, hey, you know, here's your pledge. Oh, the add-ons. Like, if you want to add yeah. on anything to your pledge, you know, now that you're paying for it. And I see, honestly, since the last time I looked at this uh, Kickstarter, they added physical coins that look kind of neat. But, um... Yeah. I, don't... I wonder if he asked Jamie Stegmeyer about that. <laughs> look, I, I tell everybody that story. I was like, look, <laughs> there would have been no Wingspan. Or maybe Wingspan <laughs> would have gone somewhere else. Um, I don't know. But, um... Yeah, it's thir- for for sixty bucks. You can get a hard copy of the books and the cards and everything. That's the one that I'm I'm looking at if I decide to do this. Yeah, um, that's that's what I was looking at. Well, I was looking at the Lore Master, which is now according to this, it looks like yeah, it's, that's the one I'm talking. Yeah, about. it's just three books. I don't see cards. Oh, maybe it's the oh, it's the Adventurers Kit that has the cards. I guess yeah, yeah the player deck. Yeah, you just don't get the um mm. that book. Uh, that other book, which of course you could add on or whatever. Um, yeah, the game master gives you everything. That gives you um, uh, all three books. Uh, they had that little wooden card holder, which I don't. Yeah, I, guys, I'm sorry. I wish I knew more about like the mechanics and how it played and uh, why it's important to have these cards in a little stand. But uh, I do not. You also get the metal coins in that. Uh, GM screen, wooden card holder, custom wooden dice, uh, all that stuff. Honestly, that seems to be a pretty good deal for, at a hundred bucks, you know. But uh, you know, it's just like, well, do you want to spend that much? And it also includes the PDFs. So uh, yeah, what's the difference between it and the feasting table? Oh, you get extra um, cards and stuff for your friends that you may be playing. You get four player mm-hmm. decks as well so unfortunately i don't think there's a crazy pledge on here um no nope nothing just like well just 200 dollars or more you get a guild license oh that's just a case of the corset books that's probably for retailers so eh, nothing fun but yeah i figured this was going to be a uh, a big kickstarter and i will say this is the first kickstarter I've seen where like all my local friends are popping up with like, Hey, Andrew back to this Stuart back this, you know, usually I get those notifications from like people that I know that live across the country or across the world or whatever. But yeah, Torchbearer caused a lot of locals to buy into it. So I'm like, eh, okay, I definitely want to do this. I should probably go ahead and strike while the iron's hot and, uh, put my, my, uh, uh version one edition on eBay. Why? Yeah, the 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 pause that I always get before I pull the trigger on this is I want to make sure that I've got someone to play it with, and right now I'm not, so that's why I haven't done it yet. Yeah. Oh well, we could try a Zoom meeting, Richard. We could we, yeah. we could torchbearer well, via buy, Zoom. Buy everything. 
buy everything and send me the <laughs> PDF, then I'll, I'll play with you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the next thing we had was, how do you pronounce it? Yulea Chronicles, a cooperative war game. Did I put this on here? I don't think I did. Did I? I don't know. Oh, oh, yes, sorry. Yes, yes, I did. Now that I uh, scroll down and see. Um, this is from the same company that did The Drowned Earth. The guy uh, I interviewed, golly, seems like 100 years ago, but it was really just over a year ago. It's the post-apocalyptic um, miniatures game uh, that had really cool miniatures, and that's kind of like the main reason why I ended up interviewing him. But this is a board game based in that same universe. And uh, looks like it is just doing gangbusters, as the kids say. It's he wanted eight grand, and it, as of this podcast, he has received forty five thousand dollars, and he's got twenty one days to go. Uh, if I have some time this week, I may this week or next, I may try to get him on and um, see if uh, just interview him. Now, one of the reasons why I really liked this was because at the lower tier, which is like thirty nine dollars, it uh. You get a copy of the game, but without the miniatures. I really liked that. You know, because, I mean, so many people we've talked to... Did they have standees or what? Standees, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, so many people we've talked to on doing Kickstarters, they talk about just, like, how much money... You know, everybody wants miniatures, but it adds a, a lot of cost to the game. Yeah. So, it's actually for £30 cheaper, which is about... Eh, it's about 40 bucks cheaper. Uh, no miniatures. Yeah, if you if you talk to him, I would love to know what percentage of people are paying the extra for the miniatures, because like you said, people want them, and I think I don't know. In a game like this, I'm, I'm sure it's 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 great to have the option, but I'll bet most people will still pay for the minis. Well, okay, look, we can look right now at the let's see. For the base game with the standees, they have 85 backers. For the base game with miniatures, they have 18 backers. No, so I'm wrong. But well, hmm. if you go like oh wait no yeah if you go you one you go up they got 48 for the 99 yeah, yeah it gets oh yeah the higher up you go the more people back it oh yeah up. at 169 yeah. pounds which gets you like all these figures it gives you extra dinosaurs. Yeah, and all this stuff. That's 122 backers right there. So yeah, and you know, of these 122, at least a couple of them are going to get this, paint everything up, and sell it for four times as much. Could be, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will say they have one crazy pledge. Uh, yeah, and uh, somebody has bought into With it. It's it's limited to five people. Well, it, it's limited to. Oh yeah, you're right, Dad Gum. I thought one person didn't know. Five people have bought into this. This is where you for almost a thousand dollars. Yeah, where you actually get into the game. Not only that, you will work with the game designer to concept your own 35 millimeter character or dino, who will be sculpted and cast as a permanent member of the Drowned Earth range. I guess, you know, again, had I, you know, if I was lottery winner, Adam Chance, this would be something, oh, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, I'm going to be, I, I want to be like dinosaur in a top hat. Boom. Let's do this. And uh, and put me in there. If you had the money, that'd be a great present for someone, too, though. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's like, look, Roy, here's the dinosaur in a top hat you always wanted to be. 
right here. It's like, <laughs> um, th- uh, thanks, I guess. Yeah. You know, we have a game called Dinosaur Tea Party that's a, kind of a deduction sort of game. Oh, yeah, sort of game. I love the graphics on that, the artwork. Yeah, very, very cute artwork on it. Because they're like these huge dinosaurs, and they're all dressed up, and they have their tiny little hands with the teacups. Yep. Yeah, I remember seeing that. But, uh, yeah, I'll try to get him on, and uh, we can talk about this game. But it's Eulea Chronicles. I'm probably mutilating that, as I do, and so we'll talk to him about it. Let's see. The next Kickstarter we had was... Deadlands, the Weird West. I swear, yeah. it seems like there's a Deadlands Kickstarter every six months. I get really confused because there's like... When was the last one? Because it had to be a while ago because I played... So this is the other one that I'm looking hard at. And this one I'm actually leaning more towards just because I love this setting. But I played this game with a friend and it had to be two years ago at least. And he had everything from the original Kickstarter. So it's been at least a couple years. Yeah, it seems like uh, the phys- let's see the physical buy-in for just the rule book uh, is forty-five bucks. I mean, I don't know how thick that rule book be. And of course, this is Deadlands for the Savage uh, Worlds rule set. Yeah, <coughs> this setting is so good. Do you know much about the setting? I do because I remember when it first launched, and because it had a post. Civil War uh, America in it, in which the Confederacy didn't lose. Uh, right. It was it was popular down here. In, in, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It was. <laughs> it was very popular, and I I saw a lot of it on the shelf and and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting. It's alternate history, obviously, where they found I can't remember what it's called, but some like new element out in California that like gave superpower to everything, and they used it to, you know, power hovering trains, and so it's sort of steampunky. Um, but because of this new element, the Civil War never really ended. So Deadlands takes place something like 1880, and the Civil War is still going on. So mm. it's it's an interesting system i mean it's got it's got a little steampunk it's got a little magic in it it's got lots of cool stuff now it's it's got a cthulhu thing into it too right because there's like undead and there's these weird monsters and stuff too right does that um yeah i mean i think the further out west you get like the further the closer you get to california that the weirder things get <laughs> <laughs> just, just like reality yeah you're okay so, yeah, wow. Uh, okay, what is there a big one on this one that Richard could buy into? He's, he's hemming and hawing about, oh, there's two, Come on. 200. That's only... I got yeah. my stimulus check. Help me spend some money. It's uh, <laughs> 220 bucks. Uh, it's just one of everything in the Kickstarter, and you get a deluxe. Yeah, it's got metal dice. Metal, metal dice. I'm going to step on that D4 in the middle of the night and have to go to the hospital. <laughs> no lie, you would. Uh, look, I've actually, I've never consciously purchased them, but I have accidentally ended up with them, and people have thrown them in for different stuff, but metal dice... I, you know, I never want to roll them because I'm like, what am I going to roll this on? It, you know, yeah. I can't roll it no. on anything wood. It's going to it's going to dent it up or, you know, I don't want to roll it on like where I'm gaming anyway. What if it flies off and just crashes through and destroys my plastic, you know, figures or, or whatever or, you know, knocks somebody's tooth out? I don't know. I just yeah, I've never I mean, they're cool to look at. They're fun to hold. But I think they're completely impractical. But, yeah. 
that's just me. I think if anything, I would want some uh, like hollow plastic ones that would be really light and roll just crazily. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I love having a really nice looking set of dice. You know, I've I've bought more sets before. There's been times that I played a new game and just bought a new set of dice because I wanted to. And I mean, you can get a full set of dice for twelve bucks, and even like the really nice ones are less than twenty. So. I've never wanted metal dice either. I don't really see the point of them. Those ones they make in prison are uh, made out of paper and they're filled up with detergent. They give <laughs> a little weight to it. Wow. Let's see, for a hundred bucks, you get the core box set. Um, I just, yeah, I don't understand like what comes in that is what uh, I, I, I'm trying to look at. Uh, I, does it come with a copy of the Savage World? core rules so actually no if you read that it says you still need to buy the savage world, oh, wow. savage world rule book and you can get that as an add-on so okay i thought that was interesting so yeah because when i played it and and again i i never actually owned it i we used his copy because he had everything but i don't remember us having a savage world rule set I only remember seeing the Deadlands stuff. Well, uh, I do know, uh, and they actually show it here in the Kickstarter, and of course, you know, you can see this in the show notes at chanceofgaming.com. They actually show a picture, just as you start to scroll down, of the old stuff, like, or, or what came before. So it was a 19, yeah. 1996 Deadlands classic came out. And see, that's the one I remember most um, on the shelf. I think, like, for me, I've just never been that into, like, Weird West, although I really um, enjoyed, like, Jonah Hex, the comic book, and mm -hmm. uh, its reboots and stuff, like, in the 80s and the 90s were very, very Weird West and this kind of stuff, you know, crazy shit was going on. It looks like Pinnacle Entertainment Group has the Deadlands classic IP. And uh, I guess this is Deadlands for Savage Worlds. I don't know which one would be, you know, what the difference is or anything. I know Pinnacle is the one that has Rifts, which they also have Rifts for Savage Worlds, which is weird. Um, I don't, and other than Deadlands, I don't really recognize a lot of the other ones. Um, I mean, they have Flash Gordon, they have Fear Agent, which is a pretty good comic book. And I know what Lankamar is, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, oh yeah, the, apparently Pinnacle has Space 1889 too. That was a really cool one and really big um, back in the day. Yeah, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. It, it's mm -hmm. uh, to me that's the thing that kind of birthed like steampunk. It was uh, I think Frank Chadwick uh, came up with the game. Or something, and it's basically like Victorian era Britain, like on Mars and stuff. So, yeah. So that is what it was. What is our next Kickstarter here? I put them all together, so, you know, it would be nice, and we could just, you know, sit back. Black May, the Battle of the Atlantic. I'm very interested in this one, actually, from Double L Games, who I've never heard of. They won't just shy of $11,000 and they have just shy of $2,000 is all they've ran, uh, raised. It's a pickup, deliver, destination, defense game for two to six players, play co-op or 1v1, face off with the wolf packs of World War II. It looks good. It's a Canadian Kickstarter, so while 
the dollar is still worth something, you know, it, you can, uh, uh, it can go pretty far, uh, uh, about 62 bucks is what it will cost you to get the game, and, um, it looks nice, you know, I say I love the idea of, you know, the Atlantic submarine games and all that stuff, but, yeah, I don't know, man, they aren't doing that well, <laughs> I always, I always look at, like, how it goes, you know, like, the first 10 days. It seems like if you haven't met your your goal, you're not going to, but I don't know. Sure seems that way, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or at least get close, you know. Yeah, it, you need to have at least something, you know, toward yeah. there. Oh, yeah, and talking to the guys about the confrontation Kickstarter, um, they talked about, like, it, it, it was a million-dollar Kickstarter, and then people started... Um, what is it? canceling their pledges and it dropped way way down which caused them to offer more stuff and they were talking about like if you look at it a vast majority about half of, if it's if you look at it like on online i think it's currently a half million dollar kickstarter is what it finished at or around 400,000 something like that they said if you look at it half of the money they received were strictly just people donating you know i'm uh, sorry purchasing one dollar pledges strictly so they can follow along with it and ask questions and stuff like that so i thought that was interesting the next one we have is canvas layer so this i put this on here and my wife was just talking about this so it's a it's a uh i guess artwork kind of game it has transparency cards so you you layer up the different layers and you make a little painting out of it and uh, I confess I don't know a whole lot about this, but it looks relaxing. It um, so. they wanted a measly fourteen grand, and they are up to almost half a million dollars with about a, yeah. a week left to go. I'm trying to see so R two I games. So if if you recall, um, during the the height of the uh, pandemic. There was on the uh, board game subreddit, there was a company that said, we will send you a free copy of our game um, called Crypt. And, um, you know, you can it's kind of basically a pay what you want for a hard copy of it. OK. And they they really laid it out and they said, OK, this is the cost for our game. Um, this is the cost for shipping. So like if you pledge this much, we're going to take a loss. Um but they just said, you know, we want to kind of help people out a little bit because, you know, money's tight and everything. So they had this little campaign. They put it out on Reddit to the free copy of Crypt. So it's the same company that, that makes this game called Canvas. And that's, I'm sorry, Road to Infamy. I said R- yes. R- R2I. I just read the uh, the thing. Yeah. Looks like they've made, I'm sorry, that was backed. Let's see. They created six different ones. They did... Uh, Alter Nova, which is interesting because there's a dog in a spacesuit and some kind of lizard samurai. Ah, yeah, I see Crypt there. Yeah, it was only nine bucks apparently when it was on Kickstarter, and that was a mm-hmm. almost a quarter of a million dollar uh, Kickstarter. Ah, it looks pretty cool. Well, good for them. Nice. So I think that I'll end up uh, backing this maybe. It looks really nice, and uh, it, mm-hmm. apparently it's definitely going to succeed. So. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, ah, the next thing we had is 
Those Dark Places, an RPG that is coming out from Osprey Games. Um, and this is sim- simply a uh, blog post from the actual author of uh, said Dark Places RPG. I just really dig sci-fi horror, and um, especially like RPG, the sci-fi horror RPGs. I usually buy them and like just read them and just find the concepts or whatever. Especially if they have lore, like really interesting. And uh, yeah, this seems like really cool. I know a lot of people are really enjoying the Aliens uh, RPG that Modifius did, but uh, he yeah, I think uh, I think Matt Peterson was playing that recently too. He says, uh, even though Those Dark Places is inspired by movies and games like Alien and Dead Space, it's more the aesthetic and design I've taken my cues from, if anything. It's more a thriller like Outland, but you can add whatever strangers you want. Oh, Outland is an awesome film. Yeah, with uh, Sean Connery, right? Yes. It's a space western. Yep. Before before Firefly. It, well, yeah, and it was legit. Uh, it's a remake of a western movie, if I remember correctly. And they, oh, really? they just okay. set it in space. Uh-huh. I can't remember what it is. So, I'm going to live Google Outland. Outland. It is a film. It was a 1981 British science fiction thriller. Uh, it has been described as a a space western and bears thematic resemblances to the 1952 film High Noon. So, okay, well, it wasn't oh, okay. a remake, but close. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I'll tell you another one I watched around that time that I watched that. I mean, not that, gosh, what was that, 81? I, no, let's see, I would have been seven. No, <clears throat> I didn't watch it when it came out, but at some point I got into like really old sci fi films and Saturn 3 is uh really really weird it has saturn 3 it has uh the girl in it i swear it's like suzanne summers or somebody famous like that suzanne plachette she was the (laughs) and uh it has harvey keitel in it um 1980 like an er adventure horror sci-fi and it has this really weird robot design, which looked like amazing, uh, especially like for the the time period. Um, yeah, let's see. Well, it's got uh, Kirk Douglas in it. Oh yeah, I forgot. It has Fair Fawcett. That's what I'm thinking of. Fair Fawcett, okay. Kirk Douglas, and Harvey Keitel. There you go. All star cast. Boom. Saturn <laughs> three. Go check that out. Hey, we've been talking about RPGs, and now we're talking about movies. Have you guys seen uh, Onward on yes. Disney Plus? Yeah. No. Yeah, I saw that with my kids. We really liked it. That's part of the reason I really want to start playing RPGs again. <laughs> I've been wanting to anyway, and I saw that movie. And I'm like, man, we really need to play. What is it? So is this uh, gonna? You know, D and D is kind of faced a resurgence with uh, people like Joe Manganiello and you know various uh, celebrities kind of professing their love for D and D. This is kind of it's a D and D or role playing at least adjacent. Uh, film. Yeah. Is this going to spur kids into like wanting to learn more about? Yeah, I mean, you know, I pushing think little so. fingers think, around. You know, Stranger Things already did. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I think it's it's hard to say because I have no idea what kids are doing nowadays. I'm I'm an old man, uh, but <laughs> it, it certainly seems like it's it's coming back. Yeah. That's and not good, just D&D, but RPGs in general. I mean, there's so many choices out there. And, 
I mean, D&D is kind of the lingua franca, but there's there's a lot of good stuff out there. And actually, I'm, I don't think I want to play D&D. Not that there's anything wrong with D&D, but I think I just want to do something different. But I definitely want mm-hmm. RPG. <laughs> well, yeah, I would definitely say D&D is mainstream now. And like other, st- other RPGs are not. I, I would definitely say, because I mean, you don't see anybody playing like, um, you know, werewolf or star trek or you know anything like that mm-hmm. as an rpg savage worlds uh riffs you don't see any of that in popular culture but what you do see is people doing D. so yeah. i guess you know people that role play can still have that kind of street cred of like no no, no i played this they could be uh role-playing hipsters they're like no 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 I only play <laughs> this obscure, out of print uh, British RPG that there were only six copies ever made, and they were hand xeroxed by this guy. And yeah, you could do that if you wanted to, I guess. But yeah, I... so does the game Werewolf? Does that count as role playing? Uh, like the, the board game Werewolf. Well, no, the kind of the social deduction game. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, that's what I meant. No, okay. I don't know. I was actually talking about the werewolf RPG that White Wolf had put out. Well, right, I, I realized that, but I was thinking about, you know, the One Night Werewolf or, you know, the, the, the werewolf where you have the, you know, everybody goes to sleep, that sort of game. It's, I guess it's a social game with role-playing elements. Yeah. Um, so. My kids really got into it because uh, they started playing, there's a browser game called Town of Salem. It may be a brow- mm-hmm. is either a browser game or it's on Steam. I can't remember. I have it linked in the show notes anyway. And uh, when I saw them playing it, I'm like, you know, what is this? And they were, and I'm like, oh, this is just like that game that people play called Werewolf. And they're like, what? And uh, so I ended up getting them uh, Werewolf VR for the uh, the PlayStation VR that they have, and they really really dug that. But it's oh. it's essentially the same thing, only you know you're actually see you know, the people sitting around the campfire and stuff, so. Mm-hmm. And I guess one of them eventually pops right out as a werewolf and kills you. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. Uh, the next thing we have is casematepublishers.com. I think I sh- meant to stick this in the, uh, like, kind of what's on your radar, but I... You know, everybody's familiar with, like, Osprey Publishing and, like, what they do. So, to me, it's always interesting to find, like, another uh, company that kind of does it. And, yeah, this is another one. This one's based in the U.S. And they uh, produce a lot, uh, publish a lot of different... uh, They do gaming rules, for one thing, which, which is what attracted me to it. But they, like Osprey, they also do, like, other... Uh, historical stuff. So, just thought it was neat and just toss it on mm-hmm. here. And it's at casematepublishers.com. It'll be linked in the show notes. So, yeah. Osprey really got their name out there a few weeks ago when they were giving away the free ebooks at the beginning of the quarantine. That is true. And, um, and like I said, um, I could not ever get them to work because of an issue on their end. And I, I yeah, I never got one either. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, I, I'm like, I'm, 
But we're still talking about them, aren't we? Yeah, and it's like, well, I don't want to be a dick about it because you're just give, you're giving something free. So I, it, I'm like, look, I'm Osprey, I'm just thank you so much, and I'm just bringing bringing it to your attention just in case there's some paying customers that are not getting through. Yeah, don't don't worry about me. I'm not bitching about it. You know, about not getting something free. I I don't want to be a Karen or whatever. What is the male the male <laughs> version of a Karen? So um yeah. But uh, hey, so. Oh, continue. <laughs> I was going to say the next thing here was Indio Veritas, which okay. Which, I want to back up to the to the Casemate publishers a little bit. Well, hang on. Uh, okay, they are going to distribute Indio Veritas in the U.S., so that's that's why I ended up putting them on there. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah, and it, it's a skirmish, fast play skirmish game in uh for Renaissance game, pike and shot stuff. So, oh, okay. Well, hey, I wanted to talk about a book that I found on here called The Battle of Britain Pocket Manual 1940. Uh, this pocket manual covers the training that young pilots in the Battle of Britain would have had in the air combat, tactic, combat tactics they were taught to use against the German raiders. It covers the role of the ground crews, control and command systems, anti-aircraft defenses, and radar and raid detection. I just the the whole all the technical part of that sounds really cool. And this is something they publish. Yes, it's well. It's one of the books that they have for sale there. Okay, I'll link it in the. Yeah, I'll tell you what. If you look, and I don't know that they have it for every GMT, but I've sort of poked around. I know, like some of the, you know, some of the stuff for Red Storm and some of the other games as well. Next War, Mitch's series, and if you look at some of the background materials that some of these guys have done for research on these games, it's it's really amazing. I mean, they're <laughs> they are putting in the effort to understand. And it, it just it goes way beyond just knowing what the order of battle is. Um, you know, I know a couple other game designers I've talked to just about their process. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I think about and probably most gamers at some point have said, oh, I should design this game. This would be fun. But I think about the amount of effort that they put into it. And I just don't know that I can do that. So, <laughs> but, yeah, books like this are, are where they where they get that stuff. I mean, these heavily detailed background books and they they'll read a dozen of them before they design a game so mm -hmm. i appreciate like on here that they they sell uh stuff like a war gamer's guide to the early roman empire that's super cool for like me to be like you know what i really think you know those roman guys sure look cool with their square shields but i don't know anything about how the the army is organized or anything. So mm -hmm. this is what I would need, you know, to go like, oh, okay, well, I, and I'm sure it tells you how to paint them and, and stuff like that. But apparently this is Daniel Mercy, M-E-R-S-E-Y, has done several of these books. Because I see another one here that's the Wargamer's Guide to 1066 and the Norman Conquest. I'm like, well, I kind of need that book since I have... Now, I, I have tw I have twenty eight millimeter Normans and fifteen millimeter Normans for uh, two different rule sets, so that would be super duper cool for me to read. And uh, yeah, I yeah I really appreciate that. But yeah, I was telling my wife, she was like, "What is Osprey Publishing?" And I'm like, "I'm pretty sure they most of their business is around tabletop gaming, because if you, if you wanted to know like what color to paint." the uniform or the tank or, or whatever from this particular time period, you would simply get an Osprey book. I mean, they're, they're less than 20 bucks for a physical one. 
uh, sometimes a lot less. You know, you can catch them on sale or used or whatever. And they're just really, really handy. Plus, it gives you, like, history in there if you wanted to do a campaign or, or whatnot. So, that's really cool. So, on to actual news? No? Yes, yes, yes. Actual news. <clears throat> Historic. It all blends together. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Historic KC Fest has been postponed until September 18th. I saw that today. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he posted on on the Facebook page, I think on Twitter as well. It was going to be June 26th, I think. So um, obviously it makes sense. We've been, everybody knows that everything's up in the air right now. So I'm perfectly happy waiting till September. I just want to make sure I get my con in. So um, it actually works out well for me because uh, my I was going to go with my, my wife and my little one. They were just going to sort of hang out in KC, but uh, my my college student, Emma, she said she would go too. So we're both going to go now. Well, I, this definitely increases my chance of going. I was excellent. I was really, really thinking about it. And I will tell you this. Um, <clears throat> I, my brother has got, has Disney reservations for like his, um, uh, wedding anniversary in June. And he was like, well, you know, we can get you and your wife in on this deal and this really cheap. And he's like, if it's open, if it's open, you got to think what a chance this will be because the parks will be at reduced capacity. So what that yeah. what that would be like. So I was like, I was like, Dad, gum, I've got to do that, you know, because I won't ever get another chance of doing that. And then I was like, oh, wait, but I've got this other thing. And eh. so, mm. Uh, apparently, breaking news, haha, since this is live, and you'll, I'm sure you'll hear it by the time you hear this, Historicon 2020 has been canceled. Not postponed, it has been canceled. So, Wait, what? Yep, that just, just happened. Uh, I saw it pop up in my email here. Um, oh. yeah, it was going to be, um, let's see, I know, like, the game deadline, oh, it was going to be July 8th through the 12th. And they have canceled it for this year. So that's a really, mm-hmm. really big convention that I would love to go to uh, one year. It's over in uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, I think. Uh, something like that. Because I get it, and there's another one that's in and around Gettysburg that's uh, really big. Uh, anyway, that's it's really big for historical miniature gaming, and I would absolutely love to go one year. If you could- yeah. Yeah, it's on my list of ones I'd like to go to someday, too. You know... Not this year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm. How close are you, Roy, to Lancaster, Pennsylvania? You'd be the closest one. Let's see. I'm, I'm not real sure, actually. Let's see. Lancaster, PA, to... Okay. And if I want to go to Holland, Michigan, how far would it go? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Directions from Holland... Michigan. Is that MI? Yes. Yes. I know, I know it's not MS. Uh, <laughs> from Holland, Michigan, survey says 671 miles. It is 10 hours and 20 minutes. It would take you all around Detroit, through Cleveland, though. <laughs> and you could go... Th- Cleveland rocks. Yeah, you could go through Youngstown and live out a, uh, a Bruce Springsteen song. As you keep coming down, 
you can literally get on the Hershey Highway, I think is right there. No, you'll pass the Hershey Highway. And when you make it to Lancaster, over to your right is a Billy Joel song, Allentown. So there you go. Oh, that's uh, okay. My wife lived there for a while. In Allentown. Yeah, anyway. Uh, so all that to say, this great article came out uh, a couple weeks ago. Toss it on here. Why cons are waiting for a legal quote act of God unquote before canceling, and it is for insurance purposes, kids. That's what it is because it's like if they just cancel, they have to pay back a lot of money. Yeah, money that they may or may not have, and so ergo would not come back the following year. So uh, I know as of right now, uh, people are looking at Dragon Con, which is, I think, September. It's 80,000 people in Atlanta, and so they're still going on. And, uh, you know, we talk about Gen Con on here, which is, I think, the week before, the week after, around the same time, and it's currently still going on. So, you know. But, again, to me, I don't think any con actually wants to open. I think they want that that whole uh, act of God thing. Because you got to think, I mean, maybe historic KC Fest is different because we expect, um, we don't expect 80,000 people there, right, Richard? Uh, no, it would be closer to 80. I actually think, like, he has it capped out at, like, uh, yeah. didn't he say, like, 200 people or something like that? Can't yet. Uh, I think it's smaller than that. Although, on the announcement this morning, he did say we've got a bigger room now. So, okay. we'll see. So, yeah. you know, something like that, yeah, you know, that, that seems pretty pretty doable. But when you start talking right. about 80,000 people for at Dragon Con or, you know, 60,000 at Gen Con, where it's literally, you know, you are elbow to elbow with people, I don't. I think people really aren't interested in that. Maybe, you know, at least a percentage of people and, and vendors, too. Would be yeah. would be afraid of that, kind and of thing. you're going to get more people traveling from around the world. Absolutely, too. I mean GenCon. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to get a worldwide audience at Historic Fest, but GenCon definitely. Are you kidding? I'm coming. That's all that matter. <laughs> the one person from Mississippi, maybe two, if I can get my friend Chris to go. Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be you know, Bob hops on a plane from. Covidville, Iowa, and and lands there, and he ca- <laughs> and he coughs on everybody in Indiana, Indiana, you know, and otherwise known as Sioux City. Yeah, so yeah, I, I could see that. That's why you know they don't want it to happen either, because if they open, I I figure you'd get about half, half what you normally get. So if you normally bank on sixty thousand people showing up or more, and you get thirty thousand. You know, yeah, and you still have the same expenses. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, I just don't see it being a good scene. I, you know, uh, although I think I saw something on social media today about <clears throat> maybe doing a 2020 MLB season. Yeah, actually, they just announced today they're talking about doing half a season starting July 4th. July 4th, yeah, with, with no fans. With no fans, okay. Yeah, because I and and the DH for everyone. DH. Designated header. Oh, okay. For, for both um, leagues, yeah. What would be the purpose of that? Uh, I don't know. I just that's, I heard that's I heard them talking about that for a couple of weeks actually. I think originally, the talks were that they weren't even going to have like American League and National League. They were going to sort of cluster them around certain cities. I don't know if this plan is still based on that or not, but that's hmm. just what I heard today. 
the so the 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 DH basically bats for the pitcher. Right, think, and only right? the American League does it. Okay. Oh. And then, and then in the World Series, they do it based on whether you're at the National League Park or the American League Park. Okay. Mm. I did not know that. And I will say, Richard, uh, this was going to be the year that I tried to get into baseball. <laughs> and womp womp. You know what? Well, I'm mm. still waiting for the NHL to officially cancel their season because I'm sitting on some Blues Red Wings tickets that aren't really much much use to me for a game that was supposed to happen six weeks ago <laughs> well the so the the grand rapids griffins are a farm league for um for the red wings and they they're are, are they're they ahl they are yes so oh, the yeah, ahl is done ahl canceled today yeah but nhl still has not everything is technically postponed which means my tickets are not being my money's not being refunded to me <laughs> i mean i i would say i am very very curious to see which sports you know fires back up first you know who is gonna hold a, you know a thing and how are they gonna do yeah it? and i think it's gonna be baseball i yeah i could i could see that but you know i wonder like how are they gonna do it are they going to be like i i work uh, a lot of press conferences for uh, the governor and other politicians, whatever, they check our temperature before we go in. So I, yeah. I wonder if they would do something like that. I mean, it's honestly what's funny to me is they're using a medical version of, you know, that that laser um, uh, temperature gauge detector. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They use one. It's infrared, I it think. looks yeah. almost exactly like that. Apparently, it's a medical version of it, and uh, yeah, that's what they use to check our, check our temperature. It actually, they actually stick they're, it really close to our head, though. So they're burning the mark of the beast into your forehead. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. That's... I think what they need to do is they need to get one person from each city to play Sherco baseball on online. And that'll determine the World Series winner. <laughs> what is Sherco Baseball? <laughs> it's an old baseball board game. You know? Like uh, Stratomatic? Yeah, that kind of thing, yeah. Hmm. Well, maybe. Yeah, Sherco Baseball, if, if it's one I'm thinking of, it's got like a big grid in the outfield. And I think it's like a 2D6 system or something like that. Look, I'll tell you this. Nobody cares in, in the U.S. No, nobody cares <laughs> about F1. But what what they've been doing is they are have actually um, racing with their drivers virtually. They're playing some F one game. They're having all the uh, the drivers, you know, for the thing. I guess you know it just it keeps it keeps your fans engaged, you know, and it keeps you know your name you know out there. And I guess it's like, well, we're paying these guys for something. So so yeah, they're all racing on in some uh, video game. Uh, well, you know, if we could, if we could just have the next war fought as a board game instead of with actual bullets, I think we could make some real progress in this world. The, Battle tech. <laughs> no, they have to play. Battle they tech. Have to play advanced squad leader. So <laughs> <laughs> they'd call up. Uh, who's that guy on the back of my shirt, Richard? That's like his name repeats like three times. Remember, I, I uh, said I, I may, I'd make the joke. I'd say, "Hey, I'm going to say I'm him." I'd go on a yeah. Anyway, that guy. Wes. Yeah, Wes. Wes yes, Wes. Yeah, they'll yeah. call him up. He'll, he'll represent the United States. So uh, <laughs> the next thing was uh, Lock and Load Fest from uh, Privature Press, the makers of uh, War Machine and Hordes, is also canceled due to COVID-19 concerns. 
and let's see, it was supposed to be in June. So um, they canceled that. So yeah, uh, I mean, I, I kind of figure it from like kind of smaller, you know, company uh, stuff like that. Now I will say, like locally, there's been some discussion about um, well, if business is open and like Roy goes in and Roy catches COVID from you know Richard's widget factory or widget store, you know, is Richard responsible? And I think at least locally here, they're trying to mitigate that by either paying for or offering liability, COVID liability insurance or something. But yeah, yep. I, I can't imagine how a small, you know, thing would do. I can't imagine like, you know, how, um, like historic KC Fest would, you know, do with something like that. That would be terrible for, you know, a thing, even though there's like real big historical, uh, History on the tabletop money over there, you know. But, yeah, it'd be bad. So, the next thing we had was this. Uh, we have yet another controversial GMT artwork. Are you familiar with this one, Richard? All Bridges Burning from GMT. This is Red, Rev Red Revolt and White Guard in Finland, 1917 to 1918. Is it just because they don't like the cover? Yes, or is it that's what else? it is. They okay. uh, oh, it's yeah. it's another bad cover. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> you know. Oh well. It's it, of course this is a coin game. And I mean, it's not the best cover, but it's not the worst one either. I so. mean, yeah. I, I mean, I'm kind of like it's a you know I don't hate it. It, it doesn't bother me at all. And I will say this is kind of the first coin game I'm kind of interested in. Oh yeah, yeah. It's an honest. It's the it's the first three player coin game. Okay, I didn't know that. Uh, is yeah, co which, is so. coin game traditionally two player? Most of them are four. There's one two player, and this will be the first three player. What what's the two player? Uh, Colonial Twilight, uh, Algerian Revolution against France. Okay. Oh yeah, that, I didn't know about that one. That may be cool. Have you ever seen the movie Battle of Algiers? I have not. No. It's really good. And, um, yeah, I imagine it's a lot of similar stuff there, but yeah, really cool. But yeah, anyway, this is, uh, I'd be kind of interested in this game strictly because apparently it takes place during World War One and in Finland versus, let's see, it's the year is 1917, Russia's Tsar Nicholas II has abdicated and Russia slides toward an ever-deepening internal crisis on the western edge of the vast Russian Empire. The uncertainty in Russia is giving rise to a power vacuum in the semi-autonomous Grand Duchy of Finland. So apparently there's some shenanigans over there, and by January 1918, a bloody civil war was broken out in Finland. So that sounds neat to me. But you're saying, you know, it's bad enough. I can't find one other person to play. You're telling me I got to find two additional people? <laughs> well, all coin games can be, they all come with bots, so they can be played by any number of players, but this is the one that's, I mean, honestly, so if if you were going to, well, for coin games, I think the best one is get the one that catches your attention as far as period and everything, but Colonial Twilight kind of makes a better solitaire game just because you only have to play against one bot, not maybe three bots most coin games if you want to play them solitaire you just play all sides and they work really well that way but i mean i i p500 did this one i'll get it if and 
not if and when it comes out. It'll come out, but everything's delayed right now, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Well, the next thing we had, uh, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting because they're bitching about the artwork. <clears throat> the last one was what Nevsky, and I actually liked that artwork. I was like, wow, that's kind of neat. <laughs> but what do I know? The next thing we have is Tapeworm is a gross physical card game from the creator of The <laughs> Binding of Isaac. I guess, you know, it's it's been a while since we had, like, kind of one of those um, games like, uh, dadgummit, it's the, the one that, Exploding Kittens, you know, that kind of thing, where it's this wacky social game that everybody laughs and stuff, and yeah. So it, you'd have to do a theme, and here it goes with a tapeworm kick, uh, game, and apparently it was a Kickstarter, and oh, and it's still going on. They wanted a measly twenty five grand and there have six hundred and forty six thousand dollars with seventeen oh, days. It said it was hundred percent funded in four minutes. Um and so yeah. You can buy in uh for twenty five bucks. You get a nice, like uh exclusive tapeworm pink gold foil box, a Kickstarter exclusive holographic four souls bonus cards as well as print and play and a digital soundtrack. So, there you go. I don't know. That just seems like really gross. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't want to play in people's insides. It's just weird. It's it's not mine. Not 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 my thing. Just not going to go for it. So, the next thing we have is I have to click on it and see. Yes, Gale Force 9 is bringing a Another Aliens board game. It's it's coming, and it's pretty neat. But um, they just teased an image, just like here you go. That's all you get. There's no nobody knows like gameplay mechanics, nothing. There is another um, Aliens board game that was released about a year or two ago that I've been interested in. Are you guys familiar with that one? I remember. I remember it. Yeah. Seems like Aliens is another one that's kind of been popping up a lot again lately. Well, it seems like they they had an anniversary or something, and uh, the anniversary of one of those things was recent. One of the movies, the first one or the second one. But um, <clears throat> let's see which Aliens board game am I thinking of? Well, they made one eighty nine that actually looks pretty cool. Ah, I think this is it. Is yeah. It's Aliens, Another Glorious Day of the Core. It did come out. It came out this year, actually, from the same company that just announced this one, from Gale, Gale Force 9. So that's, I guess, maybe they're going to do an expansion then instead. Let me drop. Oh, yeah. Okay. Drop that link in the uh, show notes there. I guess probably that's what it was. It's just an expansion then. But, yeah, I've been interested in that game. It just looked kind of cool. I mean, I like dungeon crawlers anyway. I like sci-fi dungeon crawlers. Aliens are cool. And so, yeah, it seems like a really good, you know, combination there. But I've... <clears throat> and this, this apparently what they're doing, the new one, is a co-op game. A co-op survival game. So, I don't know how they're going to work that. Anyway. Uh, the next thing we had... I think we've... Um, yeah, this is regarding Gen Con. Uh, the Indianapolis governor 
has a five-stage plan, have state back on track by July 4. So I think... Uh, Gen Con is end of July, right? Um, It's like August 3, I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, yeah, it's, it's around there, you know, basically that six one half dozen the other, but yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, basically they're, they're he, he's doing the same things like we've already done in Mississippi, you know, with um, limited uh, restaurant openings and Although he's allowing hair salons to open at the same time as tattoo parlors, which is going to be on May 11th. Actually, that's today. And they're uh, opening by appointment only and must follow social distancing guidelines. So, hmm. Interesting. Uh, I yeah, said on May 8th, uh, Indiana worship services may convene with social distancing, blah, 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 blah. I will say here in Mississippi, our governor made several statements that I do, he said I, and I'm paraphrasing, he was like, I do not believe the government can legally sh- uh, tell a uh, church to close. So I will, I'm just, I am asking you, I am begging and pleading with you guys to not meet, you know, while this is going on. So, uh, and so I think he talked about that recently about like, well, you know, you guys still need to figure it out, you know, with social distancing and masking and all that stuff. But I have never ordered houses of worship to be closed. So that's how we do things here, you know, <laughs> in Mississippi. The next thing I found fascinating and basically it just gave me an excuse to talk about the awesome movie Hackers. But um, somebody <laughs> has put together some cyberpunk miniatures uh that are some of them are pretty awful like the first guy with his dozen um patches and the giant boots of the next one but if you scroll all the way down you have basically matthew lillard's character from hackers serial killer and uh he's even dressed the same has the braids and all that I love that stupid movie it's yeah it's completely you know people complain about like movies being not historically accurate but there's another thing when movies are not technically accurate, you know, they don't the tech is wrong or, or whatever, you know, and they really take that to an extreme in the movie Hackers. And, uh, yeah, it's just hysterical. It's infinitely quotable. And by today's standards, it has an all-star cast. It has Angelina Jolie. It has Matthew Lillard. It has uh, Johnny, uh, what's his name, who was a uh, sick boy in... Um, that awesome Scottish movie with um, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I don't know. Go on. I can't think of what was the name of that movie. Dad Gummit. I don't know, but I love hearing you describe Willard it. Matthew and Ewan McGregor were in a movie? No, 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 no. Okay, okay. Hackers has Johnny, what's his name, who was sick boy in that awesome Scottish movie that had Obi-Wan Kenobi uh in it and um oh train, train spotting. spotting yes he was sick boy in train spotting so yes okay i love hackers it's a really stupid stupid movie and uh it's fantastic you should watch it so anyway <laughs> uh i just loved hearing you describe the movie that you were not quite sure what the title I know. Was. It's, just, it's a rabbit trail we follow we go it down we're following <laughs> it down we're, we're going and uh, one of the last things we had is what we something we teased earlier in the show. Uh, War in the Pacific from Decision Games is up for a reprint. 
but it's four hundred and fifty dollars. And apparently this is a this is a monster game, Richard. I think it like I would hope I think so it's like for four hundred fifty dollars. Uh, I think it's like seven maps, so, something like that. And uh, yeah. yeah, seven. I mean, Decision Games makes a lot of big games. They do the uh, Grand Operational series, and yeah, four hundred fifty dollars. So I guess you. I don't know. I I I actually don't know that much about this game. I really. It was never really on my radar until I, I heard about them reprinting this for four hundred fifty dollars as well. Richard, I'll ask him for a, a review copy for you. Oh, right, perfect! Yeah. yeah, we'll play it at Donkey Kong <laughs> yeah. next year. It's they, it has seven twenty-two by thirty-four maps, nine thousand counters. <laughs> I, I hope you're going to clip those for me too. Right? I know. Can you even imagine? Like, I mean, like, uh, like you've got it all set up. In the floor of your room, uh, your your special wargaming room, your garage, whatever, and like your kid or your wife like opens the door and then the wind just blows them all away, you know, <laughs> it's just scattered nine thousand counters to the wind. How awful! Yeah, I mean, golly, when I think of something like this size, it really makes me think like World in Flames, but yeah, yeah, I think that was just a couple hundred bucks. If that, uh, and it, yeah, I think World of Flames is, yeah, I think it's just under a hundred, two hundred, yeah. And uh, yeah, but that gum, four hundred and fifty bucks. And I, I, like I said on Twitter, I was like, for that kind of money, the designer has to um, hand deliver it to me, stay, uh, has to teach, has to spend a week teaching me how to play it and clean my house. So that's that's my criteria. Yeah. For that. You can see pictures of that's it. That's a lifestyle game right there. I mean, you know, that's that's a game you buy when, when you're ready to retire and you just set that on your table and you play it solitaire for 10 years. Or, you you know, have your retired friend come over and you two play it once a week for 10 years. That's a possibility, too. After, after. All right, Martha, we've had a lovely marriage. Now you have to leave me alone for the rest of my life. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I think it would be, I mean, you'd have to be widowed. Mar- Martha's got her knitting. She's, she's got <laughs> stuff to do. I think you'd have to be widowed for that to work, and, like, your grandchildren live far away. Oh, yeah, your grandchildren <laughs> come over and just, like, knock over the your map we're set up, and, yeah, you have a heart attack, and that's how you go out dead. Because that <laughs> terrible. There's some pictures, and this is linked in the show notes, of uh, in the Twitter thread of, like, the original version. And, man, does it look enormous to actually set it out. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, beyond space, think about, like, it would take, like, two or three tables. It, it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, like I said, the Decision Games are the ones that do uh, Grand Operational Series as well. Atlantic Wall, I think, is even bigger than this one. And I, I will say uh, in the Twitter thread, uh, the quote, the best quote of here was is from Andrew Dennison. You can follow him at Dennison Science, at Dennison Science at Twitter. It's, he says, I mean, lots of people pay in this range for garbage miniature games on Kickstarter. <laughs> that is an absolute true statement, Andrew. That is an absolute is. true statement. People, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and so I guess the last thing we had is yeah I, I just threw this up there as an alternative if you want a nice big Pacific War game still plenty big uh, but not $500 uh, uh, very art 
GMT just put Pacific War, which is a uh, an old uh, Mark Herman game. He is redo. I don't know if he's redoing that one or if they're just republishing it or whatever. But you know, the the P five hundred price is only seventy nine bucks on that one. He says uh, back in nineteen eighty five, it was designed. He was thirty one years old, and he had a two year old daughter. And now, yeah, now she's thirty seven. And uh, yeah, so, <laughs> thirty seven yeah, in a row. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I'm I'm so far away from like monster games. I still need to I'm, fire up uh, World in Flames. I at least I have the digital version, you know, so my table can just exist, you know, uh, virtually and not have to worry about a cat coming through. That's another thing. Nine thousand counters. The cat gets in there and it's like and just knocks everything over. Or, you know, the dog chases the cat onto the tail. It's a whole thing. You're asking for trouble unless you just live alone in a hermetically sealed uh, bunker. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think that's the end of the show. I think it is. I guess we don't have anything else. So, all these cons are getting canceled, and who knows what's going on. Lots of dogs and cats living together. It's a scary time yeah. out there. Yeah, uh, we got... We got Board Game Arena. We've got Vassal. We've got Tabletop Simulator. We've got Zoom. It is true. Do you guys? It's, it's we're we're having a better time than they did the last time a plague ran through the the world. Do you guys? Uh, <laughs> do you guys just a hoop and a stick? <laughs> <laughs> do you guys uh, subscribe to Zoom? Just out of curiosity. Uh, no. Yeah, we yeah we use it we use it for church. I use it for work. Sometimes we use different things for work. Um, I haven't played any games on Zoom yet, but I know there's a number of people playing RPGs on Zoom. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've looked at it before for us to... I think we even tried it once for uh, us to do um, the podcast on. And, uh, yeah. yeah I... Oh, my my daughter does her dance classes on it now, too, and my wife is teaching piano huh. using Zoom. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I it was just... It, it wasn't worth the cost to me. Yeah, at the time, and uh, apparently they're making. Yeah, I think my wife pays like ten bucks a month or something for it, which is, you know, the only way she would be able to do her piano lessons anyway. So it's not that bad. I, I imagine they're making a ton of freaking money, you know, on it. Now. Oh yeah. So yeah, and I know like the the big thing that um, a lot of people are doing, they're doing virtual happy hours, like you know, yeah. like after you know yeah. you. At five o'clock on Friday so, or whatever, they get on. The- yeah, my wife, my wife, like I said, she's a piano teacher, and they have a big piano festival every year. I mean, it's like a whole, it's like a two weekend thing where they get rooms at a community college. It's a whole big thing. And this year they did the whole thing online, and then afterwards, she and her her friends from the other piano teachers had a, a virtual happy hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. I saw her over there sitting in front of her computer with a glass of wine. I said, "What are you doing?" And she goes, "We're all celebrating together." <laughs> That's awesome. See, we should do a virtual Wargamer Hangout. Uh, let's get Matt from History on the Tabletop. I mean, that's basically what we did last weekend when our con got canceled. I mean, we're we're still kind of doing it all the time. We, you know, played a lot of Vassal games, and usually when we play a Vassal game, we post on the, on our our BGG forum. We're like, hey, we're gonna go play Atlanta's ours, and you can hop in. I was. You know, just looking. There's other people playing on now. I may hop in and just watch them play for a little bit. So, yeah, like I said, it's a lot better than it was in 1918. 
Yeah. We have things Thank- like antibiotics and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Yeah, Roy with the real talk, he's like, "Oh, you know, <laughs> the advan- yeah, advantages in healthcare is one yeah, absolutely." And, yeah. So. All right, guys, I guess we're going to go and say good night and uh yeah, we'll talk to you guys later. Good night. Good night everybody. everybody. Stay safe. <laughs>